Tell me more about that. What is for you to perform fearlessly? Well, it isn't that I'm ever going to perform necessarily without anxiety. Anxiety is not our, our enemy. It's, it's unmanaged anxiety. It's not regulated anxiety that interferes with this. So You're about to listen to an interview for EWS. Intending to provide educational information from various domains in psychology, physical exercise or motor learning, an experienced professional joins in a conversation with our founder, assisting EWS mission of building a mindset and methodology that can optimize both sport performance and mental health. Hope you enjoy and for that I leave you with your host Gonçalo Marques. Hi, dear listener. Today, for another EWS interview, we will go for a talk exclusively about performance, about psychological components related to it, how one can go more adaptively towards it in order to optimize one's attention, let's say, and one's psychological posture, in order to prepare better overall and not be affected negatively by nervousness and in order to take advantage towards learning and improvement in the moments after performance. So again, me and my guest will unpack some discussions for the before, during and after of performance moments. And I'm honored that our guest is Dr. Nick Lazaris. Well, I'll say in just a bit why I'm honored to receive this guest at EWS, But first, let me share with you a bit more about him. First, this man has 35 years of experience as a performance psychologist working one-on-one -on -one with performers from several areas. He studied at Westmont College, earned a master's degree in counseling psychology at Pepperdine, and has a PhD in clinical psychology from Rosemead. He is currently licensed as a clinical psychologist in California and certified in applied performance sports psychology from the Optimal Performance Institute, specializing in performance enhancement for executives, performing artists and athletes. He makes a point on accentuating that he lives and loves his family with his wife being an artist, his son an actor, and his daughter a writer. Wait, just a useful reminder. We know you're investing precious time here. So you can also efficiently work your listening experience by checking the timestamps at the end of this episode show notes. You can click over them to jump directly to the pieces that you find most interesting to your needs and wishes. As for my wish, your review and subscription to EWS Podcast. By doing so, we will be able to offer the listeners more quality content regularly to improve the mental game in sports and work. Until you decide on that, keep enjoying this. Some of Dr. Nick's books so far are The Assertive Communicator, From Panic to Peace, Stress, Resiliency and Taking Charge of Your Life, and The Fearless Business Speaker. And since I'm talking about his writings, I'll mention that on his website at drnicklazaris.com, on the About page, beyond presenting himself, he has a section there telling what he does, from coaching, writing and speaking, and he shares, quote, 
my goal is to create insightful, relevant and practical content that you can put to work today in your personal and professional life. End quote. So, he works with business professionals, as you see, performance artists, entrepreneurs and creatives to help increase their confidence, overcome anxiety and develop the ability to consistently perform at or near their personal best, regardless of their fears or circumstances. Alongside all of this, he is a professor at California. Alongside all this, also, I hope today's conversation can help the listeners at least a little bit more to achieve some of the things he aims with his work, like overcoming any fears related with performance issues, enhancing effectiveness, performing under pressure, and conquering anxiety. If you get interested along this one-hour conversation, I remind you that Dr. Nick delivers weekly blog posts that can be sent to your email address if you subscribe, again at drnicklazaris.com, and these blog posts are filled with quick reads and yet powerful, uh, easy-to-digest messages delivered to anyone who wants to rise to be a high performer. Even more so, those who subscribe, again, this is all for free, will receive a 52-page ebook titled Overcoming Anxiety and Stage Fright. As for how I met Dr. Nick, just before jumping to the conversation, well, it was in my beginning days exploring this area of sports psychology, some five years ago. It was then when I came across one of the most viewed videos on YouTube, I guess, for a formal and substantiated presentation oriented to athletes. And on similar lines nowadays from this, I am so glad to have more um, a more directed conversation to help athletes in their most challenging times before, during and after performance again. I know that several sorts of difficult feelings may arise prior to a competition, like those critical moments filled with nervousness that might affect oneself negatively in what one brings to a match. And it is precisely about this kind of anxiety, nervousness, you might get prior to a pivotal match you are about to enter, that this guest comes to EWS to help you. It is the area he most focused on throughout his more than 35 years of professional experience, these performance anxiety issues, how to manage it, what to learn from it, how to get better prepared, more resourceful. Uh, and I really hope that today, as the title indicates, we get to assist you to efficiently work your anxiety in your sports practice and overall in other life situations. So for that, I welcome you to EWS, Dr. Nick Lazaris. Thank you, Gonzalo. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to this. So this will be a fun, uh, fun chat that we're going to have together. Yeah, thank you so much for accepting my invitation. And I am looking forward into this because it's a very straightforward topic that I guess many of our listeners, especially the athletes and the youngsters, will benefit from. So let's go to this. 
as an usual background uh, question, I, I guess I will not get that much of a cliche out of it, but I'm very curious to know from you as a psychologist, if you often heard in your early days that you deal super well with this problem of anxiety and that you had foolproof confidence from day zero and no anxiety. So write us along through that process of yours, please. Okay. Well, on a, on a personal level growing up, before I even got to the place where I was practicing my, my psychology practice, I mean, I was always very anxious in any presentation type of situation. So I just, I just remembered kind of being more introverted as a child. And in high school, if I had to give a presentation, I'd get kind of panicky and uh, heart would pound and hands would sweat. And uh, then even in my graduate program and getting my master's and my doctorate, you know, I was anxious. And I, and, and one day uh, a woman asked me if I would speak to her mother's group on stress for new mothers. And I got stressed thinking about talking about stressed new mothers. And, but for some reason I said, of course I'll do that. So uh, I started uh, looking more into just some things I could share with her about anxiety. And as I did that, I started to realize, wait a minute, I can apply this to myself. And I, I decided literally at that point, um, as I was getting my doctorate and getting ready to do my internship, that it was really critical for me to get over my, in, in essence, the performance anxiety that I was having. And from that point on, I began to study more about anxiety, uh, eventually got licensed as a clinical psychologist about 40 years ago, long time, uh, mm -hmm. and then began to specialize in anxiety. And Along the, the journey there, I started getting more and more clients that uh, had issues of anxiety when it came to performance. I'd get a golfer. I'd get a, a mother who had a young daughter in high school that was a swimmer but would fall off the block uh, before the gun would go off because she was so tight and so anxious. And then began to realize that there were musicians out there who had stage fright and, and they'd go mm -hmm. to audition. Uh, so I began to realize that there was this, all these different domains, but all kind of were under the same umbrella is that they would become so anxious, they would sabotage their performance, uh, whether again, it was an athlete, a musician, a speaker. Uh, and eventually I began to specialize in that and then eventually be, uh, created a performance psychology coaching practice, uh, which I do virtually like this, uh, pretty much all over the world. So. Uh, the wonderful thing about it, I want to say right up front, is that if you struggle with this, uh, you, you can overcome it. Uh, mm -hmm. I have just worked with hundreds and hundreds of persons, including myself, to be able to show that this is not something you have to be stuck with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be something you can kind of self-sabotage with. So I want to just at least begin by saying there's just so much hope to get through this. Or, or that is uh, particularly a process of self-sabotaging and not something that is strict inherent within you in particular so yeah having a growth mindset and believing that you can overcome it uh, somehow and and still on your uh, journey there and starting to draw like a parallel to athletes well i imagine that many athletes on their performances on the moments prior to it can receive high expectations and i was curious by thinking of you like starting to present yourself like this specialist on regulating anxiety and uh, preparing speakers for the stage. Uh, how was it for you? How did you manage it? Because I imagine it was not 
from night to day, right? This change. And uh, yeah, uh, what can you say more about there and drawing this parallel to athletes that receive high expectations that feel that they have to perform best? So, yeah. Right. Well, there's certainly, um, certainly are personality characteristics that are always kind of underneath the person who has severe performance anxiety. And one of them is exactly what you said. They have extremely high expectations of themselves. And we, we want that to a point. Right, we want you to expect the best out of yourself. Expect excellence in your in your sport uh, or, or performance. Uh, but those high expectations can can defeat you, uh, and and they then you can start to question yourself and have self doubt. And so, it certainly, is not an overnight process, but it is a process that if you do things step by step, and and really get out there and apply it. I mean, that's really what I did. I made a decision that the only way I, I would get through this is learn the skills, learn the principles, and then start speaking in that case. I, that was my performance. And that the more I did that, I was able to apply those principles and those skills. Because the, the, the problem is, is that, I mean, the perfect way, I can guarantee you'll never have performance anxiety. Don't perform. It works every time. But the problem is the athlete wants to perform. They want to excel. The speaker wants to move up in, in their career. Uh, sure. So the, the option really is only to say, okay, then I'm going to continue to perform, continue to to take part in my sport, but I'm gonna begin to practice those kind of things that will take me forward, that will help me overcome that. So it did. it is a journey, mm -hmm. but it's a journey that you can begin right away uh, with certain skills and principles. It's not like someday I can learn this, I can begin to practice these things now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, taking part, as you've said, uh, enrolling in those opportunities and from time to time, moment to moment, learn more, start to regulate these anxiety, these fears, these self-doubts, all these things that we can start to tell out the, here as things that can block our optimal performance, let's say, and our optimal psychological state to be in while performing. Um And within that, I have another question for you, which is related to part of your motto or slogan that you have on your website, which is perform fearlessly. Wait, excuse me. Before you continue on for the episode, I will just ask you for a review. This is a common request, I know, and I imagine it can be tedious to do so, to divert now, and I am aware you as a listener just want to grow through However, if you do so on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, it makes an important contribution for EWS growth and for us to keep providing relevant contents for you to actualize your sports practice and mental game. And also for me to be able to continue to bring in great guests. Moreover, each month we randomly select their two winners to receive exclusive material that will assist them reaching their full sporting potential. Also, it is important for me to hear your feedback. So head over there, please. The links are in the description, as always, alongside with the timestamps. See ya. Uh, I want, first of all, then I will lay out some things that I, I, I've thought about that. But tell me more about that. What is for you to perform fearlessly? Well, it, it isn't uh, that I'm uh, ever going to perform necessarily without anxiety. Anxiety is not our, our enemy. 
uh, it's it's unmanaged anxiety. It's not regulated anxiety that interferes with this. So we want that adrenaline. We we really want to say I'm really to go for this. I mean, my heart's kind of pounding, but that's okay because I'm really ready to do my best. The problem is when that gets out of control, when that uh, creates a fear of the the unknown that causes self doubt in ourselves. So to perform fearlessly really entails having confidence. Uh, we get confidence by practicing, by applying these things to say, I, hey, I can do this. I don't have to be afraid. Not without anxiety. Again, that's that's not the goal. The goal is to manage that. I mean, we, anxiety is, again, not, not a, our enemy. Um, so being able to perform fearlessly really ultimately comes down to being in charge of yourself, being in control yeah. of you in the moment, uh, in the present. Yeah, I'd imagine that uh, it's like you own your anxieties there but you don't let you you find resources that let you not get affected as much to for, for that fear so you can embrace that uh, and more and more with time with practice as you were saying it gets better regulated i guess uh, ultimately we become afraid of becoming afraid i become anxious about what might happen right in the future and mm -hmm. that creates more anxiety so mm -hmm. if, if i can say you know what like you said i'm going to own this i might be anxious so what i'm going to take charge of me i know what to do to manage that i have learned skills to slow that down so to, to take charge to be in that moment so i don't have to be afraid of that but most athletes mm -hmm. of performance become afraid of that i'm going to get afraid that i'm going to get anxious on the diving board i'm going to be anxious on the golf course on the court uh and they anticipate that and 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 anxiety doesn't start the day of the match uh anxiety starts the week before the night before when we start to think about what's coming up i hope i don't get anxious what what if i mess up what if i blow it what if they mm -hmm. see i'm nervous and that just escalates the anxiety yeah. Well, for, for the listeners, we will get more precisely into those intricacies of these processes. Uh, but yeah, my, my concern would be, and just to uh, lay out this din distinction, uh, the concern would be like uh, perform fearlessly to be understood, like performing without any fear at all in any circumstance, like performing super cold and super confident. Uh, so yeah, it's like accepting and and also uh, going back a little on that decision that first decision of enrolling in this process and believing that we can get better and regulate better these turbulent feelings inside that at first sight may appear to be detrimental to influence in a negative way uh, the speaking if we are talking about public speaking that may affect the the shooting or the passes or the strokes in in swimming so yeah it takes part and often i guess i don't know if you are with the same opinion that uh, anxiety often means that we care for what we are doing so it's a natural thing to to feel and that we can look with other eyes and not seeing it as a burden or as a like a boogeyman that get us afraid yeah. right yeah it's the things that truly matter to us that we get afraid of 
if we're going to fall short of that or we're not going to achieve it or what they're going to think of us. So you're absolutely right. Something that doesn't bother me, if I, if I, uh, if it matters to do great in a presentation I have coming up, that heightens the anxiety because it does. it's important to me. Uh, I have a passion for that. But again, if I'm not aware of the fact that internally, mentally and physically, I'm kind of in escalating that, uh, and I'm not aware that, wait a minute, that's normal, uh, but... Uh, now that I'm aware of it, I can start to do something. So the lack of that awareness uh, mm -hmm. in any area of growth, as a psychologist, you know, any area of growth, it's it's awareness that, that begins the process. Uh, uh, even if it's something I don't like that I'm aware of, that's okay. It's like, okay, now I know where I'm at. I know what scares me. I know the process. Ah, because anxiety is always built on unknowns. What if this happens? What if it's all future-based? Uh, so the more I know, the more I get it, the more I, I'm not scared that I'm scared, that it makes sense, the more I can begin to do something about it. So awareness is key. Yeah, I guess that's completely relevant from what I was saying. Uh, because yes, okay, anxiety can be natural, but I was not saying it as a justification uh, for being fine with it or just taking it as it is in any circumstance. Because at, at some moment, there are elements there, there are those uh, building up, uh, piling up of thoughts and, and anxiousness that will be detrimental for performance. So uh, in some sense, it's again, it's like having awareness of the impact of each thing within that anxiety, the thoughts, the self-talking, whatever, that is impacting what? Like having that awareness and having the awareness then to the ability that we have at least potential ability to take charge to rule that more so yeah perfectly put there nick yeah and the athlete spends his or her life preparing for their sport but they t often are not prepared for that those internal battles that go on and so you know it, it's critical to uh, really deal with both you know i'm preparing as an athlete but i've got to prepare my mind I, and that's what distinguishes usually the best the best athletes from others not their skills necessarily their mindset uh their ability to be aware their ability to take charge of that awareness yeah and you are were just reminding me of an episode that we produced to ews podcast it was months ago for an inside quote where we unpack the wisdom from a renowned quote and this one came from jesse owens a former athlete and i I can't say the the quote uh, exactly, but it was precisely on that, that the most important battles to face are those within us, uh, those uh, struggles uh, from self-doubt and lack of confidence and being focused and anxiety takes a big part on, uh, can take a big part on every aspect of this. So I'm very glad to, for us to continue this conversation. Yeah. And, and also still focusing on these early processes of getting more aware of what is within our anxiety to perform you have a, a beautiful concise video like eight minutes on your youtube channel for the words that kill and uh again getting back to that decision and that uh, the the decision of going along with this, managing this better, believing that you can take charge. Uh, I, I would like to mention uh, one or two 
from from there from that video i will also leave a link on the description for the video um i will pick here two and then you unpack those one would be getting ready and the other let's see maybe are you are you good with that if you want to add something, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I talk about getting ready, um, I'm not talking about the performer, the athlete who is putting in the time sure. and preparation uh, to, to get ready because we have to have that. I often have athletes and performers tell me, uh, gee, I didn't do very well. I wasn't anxious. I go, did you prepare well? Well, no, I just worked on not being anxious. I go, you still have to prepare, right? You still have to get ready. But the, 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 the reason I share that in the video is that very often the way people deal with their anxiety is they're always always getting ready they're almost getting ready to get ready uh and and, and it becomes a way to put things off you know mm -hmm. if, if i if i over prepare mm -hmm. you know if i overthink if i'm always getting ready to get ready in my mind um now i'm not present again remember the goal is always in any performance to be present and if i'm always getting ready if i'm always anticipating if i'm overthinking if i'm what if this and what if that i am not present anymore and and so it can be a way to put things off and to, to not deal with things yeah uh, you just reminded me of another quick episode we have at ews on over preparation uh i, I tweaked around that idea of ready aim fire to ready fire aim it's like many times uh, athletes in whatever modality may think that they will only perform the best or they will only try that move or something when they get super well prepared but uh, yeah again validating all those aspects that you told it's important to get ready to train to know what the technical and tactical moves are within that but uh, yeah, the mental process may um, often enough gets with overthinking. And uh, so moving from ready, aim, fire to ready, fire, aim uh, sometimes can be a good advice because when you practice and try and try more, the fire part, it's good for them to reflect and perfect our aiming abilities and our preparation, our concrete uh, physical and technical, again, preparation side. Yeah. And that, that has to do with, with perfectionism, and, and, mm -hmm. uh, which is also typically one of the characteristics of people who struggle with this, is, you know, I've got to do it just perfectly. You know, if, if someone's writing a book, uh, I've got to have it just right, and, and they never get the book written because they're constantly editing or overthinking it, or the athlete or the performer in general, it, it, it has to be perfect. And what that does is that sets you up because you can't be perfect. Uh, you can have moments, of course, of just excellence beyond what you expected. But the reality is you got to get yourself out there. I mean, there's there's no substitute for putting yourself out there. You know, the, the, the young girl I said that was falling off the board at some point, um, she had to get out there again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but this time she got on the board with some new skills. She was able to manage herself and, and do really well. But but it she could have put it off. She could have that back to that. Maybe, well, you know, may, maybe I should wait. Uh, maybe I'm, this isn't the sport for me. Uh, you know, maybe I should put off the match, uh, the golf match uh, until I'm a little more ready. I, I hear that all the time instead of, you know what, uh, I've got to do it. I got to go for it. Uh, but you don't go for it blindly. You go through for it with new skills exactly. and that creates the confidence. Then getting out yeah. there again, creates the experience and it all works together. 
Yeah, so much that. And and moving along to those to the next word maybe. And not only that because I guess these are pretty much related, but let's combine maybe with too hard. Mm, yes, yeah. Too hard um it is a decision you make in your in your head in your mind that says I'm going to choose to see this as something beyond me. I'm going to choose that. I'm going to decide that. Uh, instead of wait a minute, uh, I, I like to use the word challenging. It's challenging. It's not hard. It's not a problem. It's a challenge. And the reason that's so critical is if it's a problem, it's this thing. If it's too hard, that must mean I can't do it. If it's a challenge, wait a minute. Now, how do I get through that challenge? How do I overcome this? Uh, so it, it is a shift. It's a mind shift away from kind of this decision I've made that is too much for me. It's it, it's just too hard for me to wait a minute. Yeah, it is challenging, but so what? I want to get through this challenge. And, and who do I need to talk to to do that? What do I need to apply to do that? What, what do I need to be eating differently? What do I need to be thinking differently? Now I'm in movement. Now I'm moving towards something versus it's just too hard. It's too, yeah. I can't, I, because... I, I know I, no, because I guess many times it is also to validate that uh, for an athlete, certain task is too heavy, is, is beyond their capabilities uh, that are within his capabilities in the present. But it is okay, it, it is challenging, it is a too big of a goal, but it, it is always within your ability to chunk it up in smaller pieces and go for it. Right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's just... Uh, reminded me of the thing we've all heard a million times, but it's still so true. The Roger Bannister story where he broke mm. the three minute mile. Uh, the moment he he broke the 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 mile, a three minute mile, everybody literally started like dominoes starting to break break that. Uh, because before that, everybody said you can't do that. It's it's too hard. It's not possible. And then they said, wait, it's possible. And they started doing it. So that's that mental obstacle that each of us have, if we're not careful, that really says, well, I can't do that. I, I remember when I was first starting out as a psychologist and I would have, I did speaking a lot because like I said, that was one of my ways to overcome it was just I started to speak everywhere I could. And people would come up afterwards and say, oh, do you have a book, anything we could buy? And my answer always was, well, I'm not an author. I, I don't write. That was a decision. I, I had decided mm -hmm. I can't write. I'm not an author. Uh, and then finally, one time, I, I'll never forget this, someone got really mad at me. They said, you have all this good stuff to share. Uh, you should write it down so some people could have it that can't hear you speak. And and I said, well, and I decided, wait a minute, may, maybe I can. And, and instead of saying, I'm not an author, I said, I'm going to share some information. I am going to do it on paper. I'm going to put it in a book. And, and from then on, I, I started doing that. But I had all those years just decided I'm not an author. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, others decide they can't recover from a bad golf shot. Well, how, how am I supposed to get? I was so upset. What am I supposed to do? I threw my club. Wait a minute. That's a decision you made. How about you get back in charge of you right after that terrible shot and say, I'm going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. And it, it is such a relief. It's like giving yourself permission. It's like a freedom to say, wait a minute. So what if it's hard? So what if it's challenging? That doesn't mean I can't go for it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That that's clearly a shift on 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 one one's mindset. To wrapping up this uh, this talk on the words that kill, and again, uh, if listeners are interested, can hear more on your YouTube channel. I will leave the link. But uh, one thing that I found interest interesting in this was that all these 
may be rooted on one's anxiety. And all that these words say, well, first, they appear for a reason and they appear to protect us. They appear as voices of reason, whether this reason is more uh, valid or not. But uh, yeah, th these are just there to for for oneself to not get confronted with inability with getting wrong with failure with failure so it's hard to get this shift that we are talking about but it's important to recognize that it is again a journey and a decision from the start to enroll and 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 challenge and combat these words instead of these having these words ruling our behavior right exactly exactly Yes, mm -hmm. because once we give power to those words, if I give power to it's too hard, it's all over for me because now the power is outside of myself. The problem is it's too much. And once I say, wait a minute, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm getting in the way of me. Now I have hope because if I'm doing it to myself, I can stop doing it to myself. I can learn how to stop doing that to myself. Yeah. So being able to make that shift is just critical like you're talking yeah. about. And as you as you've said on the video, quoting from an author that I cannot tell uh, the author, unfortunately, but you say there, if we argue for our limitations, we get to keep them. So it's that logic that you were talking there. And another one is, uh, and from another author, one does not discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore. Yes. Yes. So absolutely. That's it. Yes, and it is a it is a way of protecting ourselves. I mean, anxiety again is not bad. If if I'm being chased by a tiger, uh, uh, I better get anxious. I better breathe fast. I better get my muscles tight. I better scan the room for escape. Right? I mean that that we're designed internally to get anxious under certain conditions. The problem is our mind tricks us, and it uses words to say, "Well, this is this is dangerous." So the mind says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to get you anxious. I'm going to help you find a way out of this. And what that does is that either keeps us from going for those things we want, kind of leaving the shore for, for new adventures, new risks. It either stops that or it sabotages when we try to do it because we're, in a sense, on the court, on the tennis court, uh, uh, being terrified like there's a, a tiger on the court with me. And the body doesn't know the difference. If if my if I send a, a message to my body that there's danger on that tennis court, my body does just what it's supposed to do immediately mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to protect me. It's all to protect myself, except yeah. it's lying <laughs> to me. Well, what you just heard was something probably easy to understand. But to assimilate this or put it into practice is a harder task for sure. At EWS, we aim to translate the theory and mental principles into practice the best way possible. But it all comes down to you. Take a moment to really reflect. Is this good for me? What can I do today to implement it? Again, the keyword practice. How can you translate this into practice? Practice it and go ahead. Keep enjoying the process of efficiently working sports. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, what I was thinking, which is interesting, because at the same time we may get the sense that this anxiousness is adaptive for our uh, current and next behavior, but maladaptive at the same time. Because on the tennis court, for example, that you've put in, it's like 
for an optimal performance, our bodies, our physiology should not be like with that extreme tension in our muscles, for example. So we can get around that, give it a tweak. Uh, again, uh, this would uh, start to enter the, the techniques and skills. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. If we're trying to survive on a tennis court, on a, a mm -hmm. basketball court, in a golf, if we're trying to survive, um, it sabotages our performance. Yeah. That, there's not that big of a danger. It's not like on the other side of the court, there's the tiger ready to eat you and end your career. Uh, the the worst case scenario would be okay you will lose and then you will get some bad uh, critics right and feedback uh, you will get less confident uh, this is just thinking on the worst case scenario but yeah there's not that big of a danger that justifies that big uh, and and disoriented anxiety I, I would say yeah. And so let's let's go more slowly and concrete now, thinking more of uh, grassroots levels, uh, some youngsters, players aspiring to be better and successful athletes, uh, and especially, I guess, for those student athletes out there facing, let's say, facing their first job interviews or a presentation at school, uh, I will let you pick one of these examples. Uh, but within that, what is one of the first general tips you can provide to them when they get anxious in that situation? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think um, even before a tip, there there, there needs to mm -hmm. be an awareness of what's going on, and and I because again, anxiety is built on unknowns and needing to have things under control. So the more you know, the more you get it, the more you understand it, you can then start to say, now what do I do about it? And, and the simplest way that I teach my, my clients, uh, whether they're young people or, or older athletes, uh, successful or, or, or amateur, professional, doesn't matter, is that the, the mind um, kind of has, the easiest way to picture this is has the two hemispheres. We always talk about the left brain, the right brain. And the best way to kind of conceptualize this is that, that the left brain thinks in numbers, it's judgmental, it's very black and white, has fast brain waves, and, 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 and it's the part that has this voice that we all hear uh that negative critical voice you can't do this what if you you fall off the board what if you're giving a speech and everybody's laughing at you it, it creates really more and more overthinking faster brain waves whereas the right brain the kind of way we look at that is is this is kind of where create creatives are, are kind of based, they're imaginative, they have a slower state of concentration, they're focused in reality in the now, in the moment. Um, and what that leads to is what we call mental quiet. It, the mind has to be quiet when it's time to perform. When you're learning, the mind's gonna be active. It's gonna use the left brain, it's gonna uh, develop better skills, better techniques, better ways to serve. Um, and we want that, right? But not on the court. We, we do not want, while you're getting ready to play, saying, oh my gosh, I hope I'm holding my racket right. I hope I'm speaking well. That has to be quieted. So I always start with saying the goal to get over this is to make this switch from that left brain, loud, overthinking, make the switch to quiet right brain kind of presence activity where it's kind of... Uh, that we that word flow we always talk about uh mm -hmm. being able to be present in charge of ourselves that's where peak performance comes from so the first thing is always being aware of okay i've got to learn to quiet that voice i've got to quiet that i got to be aware of it and quiet it and make the shift after i've prepared now i'm going to make the shift 
to being present on the court, present when I'm giving a presentation. So it's that kind of foundation that I always start with kind of, we talk, I mean, I did this real quick just now, but the point is to be able to say, wait a minute, there's a process that goes on in you that leads to anxiety, which means there's a process to slow that down. And that's what we're going to learn. That's what we're going to practice. So we want to get out of the left brain just to use that image uh, Mm -hmm. into the right presence. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cool. I like that one. Yeah. And yeah, by saying that, uh, (laughs) I have here a hard question for you, I guess, because it is hard for me, or let's better say challenging for you, uh, (laughs) giving that tweak already. (laughs) Um, This is just to contextualize, because this is a thing that is more and more uh, shared uh, out out there, that uh, athletes uh, gather many uh, skills that can be applied to other areas of life and many times they are not taken advantage of in a in a good sense and so can you imagine of one thing that athletes can bring as a resource to this anxious situation outside of sports but that come from their sports practice something that they've learned from that context uh, to to apply to yeah, often people say that, okay, like athletes uh, are good in goal setting, are good in persistence, in resilience, but then uh, something more concrete uh, often gets in my mind of uh, some things that can be applied. And thinking about this uh, situation, for example, of uh, giving a presentation, what is something that an athlete may have learned uh, that can be applied there? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I've seen what I what I would call successful athletes, and a successful athlete doesn't mean they win all the time. It just means they're in charge of themselves, whether they win or not, because there's too many variables that lead to whether you win or not, right? There's just too many. Uh, but the one variable that's always under your control is yourself. I'm going to take charge of me, and I'll, I'll do my best if I prepared. So so the athletes that are successful in terms of their mindset um, are are always clearly monitoring how they talk to themselves they're Hmm. aware of that they're they're aware of what they say to themselves under pressure and and they catch that early and they 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 catch when they start to anticipate um the performance coming up and they catch that and they quiet that uh they uh tell themselves in the middle of a performance i i know i've worked with a lot of athletes that um a golfer is a great example because the golf um, they hit a, 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 a shot, it goes in the lake, goes really poorly. Now, the great golfers, uh, it's not that they never hit it in the lake. The great golfers are able to very quickly get themselves quiet again, shut that sh- that chatter up that's in mm. their head, and refocus on the next shot. Uh, because I guess it's a critical, uh, sorry, just to mention that it is, it is a critical skill for golfers per se, because it's a sport that has plenty of off moments. They give it a shot and then they are walking outside there. And so talking to themselves, it's very important in a, in a, in good ways. Yes. Yes. Or the, the, the basketball player that, uh, I, I recall, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, when he was with the Lakers, uh, they talk about how in practice he would make 85, 87% of his free throws. Uh, but he was famous for being a 50% free throw uh, shooter during critical games. Uh, and what happened? What happened in his case, his mindset basically said, oh, I hope I don't miss, where the great performers don't think about missing. They, they quiet that voice. They take charge of themselves and say, 
all that matters is I'm, I'm going to make this shot. I know how to do it. I've done it a thousand times. So, so, the, so the great athletes are able to quiet the negative self-talk uh, before they perform, during a performance, and even after a performance. And the ideal metaphor within there is uh, to bring the example of Michael Jordan, where he uh, got a match, where he closed his eyes and just made the throw and, and got it. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a, a, a good parallel there for the mental chatter. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was going to say that the, the, the more you buy into negative self-talk, the more it, it, it uh, increases the anxiety activation level. It just it, They're so connected. So that's what makes it critical to quiet the mind. And that's what the great athletes are able to do. You know, they, they call it being in the zone or in the moment, all the different terms we've heard. But really what they're all saying is, I could do this with my eyes shut, even though there's 17,000 people in the basketball arena screaming for me to miss it. Uh, I, I, I don't even hear them. I just see the basketball rim. That's all I see. So the, the great athletes are able to do that better to answer, you know, what will we bring back to that? You know, mm -hmm. again, whether you're my, my son, when he was seven, he um, did speeches, little talks in his class, and he was a martial art student and he learned to quiet everything else around him in martial arts and be present oh. in during. And he applied that at school and he's seven years old the teacher called me one day Whoa. and she says your, your son when he when he speaks he's just so present i'm i'm listening to him and it was because wow. he learned to quiet that voice at that age amazing example that's that was precisely that, that i was searching for uh and 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 keeping on that topic of self-talk uh, because it is a very important thing to take in consideration when dealing with these anxiety moments whatever they may be Uh, it is precisely on the things a person says to herself prior to performance. And uh, this is a, 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 an area of self-talk that is pretty much uh, developed by Donald Meikenbaum, uh, for my knowledge. Uh, I, 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 am not, uh, to, I am not that much familiar with the area, so, but I know clearly self-talk can be helpful helpful or can impair one's following performance or preparation, even the preparation and the trainings. Um, so what are for you uh, or that you can see from the literature, uh, some markers or some things to watch out when looking at one's self-talk? Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one of the, the, the simplest ways to look at that is, am I living in the future or if I'm living in the past. And that sounds so obvious, but anticipatory anxiety is was what you're talking about, is the more I anticipate something in a negative way, and I tell myself, I hope I'm gonna be okay, or what if it's too hard, or what if my, oh, I just saw who my opponent is. He's, I just had that with a, a tennis player recently I worked with, that she was doing so well, and then she realized who she was seated up against, and she just said, I, I can't beat her. She made a decision, I can't beat her. And then uh, that what does that lead to that leads to poor play uh, so that in, and you know living in the future or living the past looking back well, I, I, I lost to her last time or that last shot I did went in the lake either one of those living the future or in the past in my thinking keeps me from being in the present and 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 being my best at that moment um, so that that's a key for for most of the people I work with is being able to and to to hear to be aware of what I'm anticipating versus coming back to almost saying I, I tell them when they hear what if those words what if are 
killer words for a performer. What if this mm -hmm. happens? What I tell them to say, stop it. So what? I know yeah, how to I slow down. I know how to breathe. I know how to be present. I've been practicing. I'm ready to go for it. See, nobody can take that away from you, those kind of thoughts. Except you, you can take them away, but no one else can. Uh -huh. I, I love that tweak. I, I, it was a thing that I had here prepared, uh, the transition from what if to so what, uh, because just heading on that idea is that when we are thinking those uh, what ifs, uh, it is often related to something that could go wrong. Uh, and within self-defeating messages. So we are piling up badly and getting more on an helpless state. Um, and the so what contains within it, I guess, uh, tell me if I'm wrong or if you can add something, but to focus on what needs to be done. Again, that uh, free throw on basketball, that service on tennis. And, and thinking about tennis before going along, I was also reminding me uh, some weeks ago, there was a match for uh, an ATP uh, thousand, uh, a major on tennis between Nadal and Shapovalov. And Shapovalov uh, was about to win with two match points uh, on the third set. And he had two double faults on the service. I got so curious about what went around his head because he was playing superbly, he was dominating the match and it goes to that phase and two match points go went bad so with with two enforced errors and then on the tie break the first three points he lost them because he sent the ball to the net. Uh <laughs> so yeah I, w I was very curious about that. I don't know if you have some comments within this self-talk thing. But yeah, transitioning for what's important now. I love that acronym that these forms win. What's, what's important now? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about ultimately is what we're, we're discovering more and more about neural pathways, electrical pathways in our brain, that the more I say, oh my gosh, what if I mess up? What if I screw up? What if I... Uh, miss this point. Um, we we continue to, in a sense, build stronger and stronger negative pathways in our brain. So that's why we can uh, the old thing of oh it's Monday morning I got to go to work. It's just it's just in our brain. Uh, so I always say we've got to create new pathways. And and one of the ways we do that is we say when we hear the negative, when I hear myself living the future, I say stop, stop. Picture, literally picture a bright stop sign, and I say stop. And then I say so what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I can do this. And, and the more you do that, and I tell clients, you don't even have to believe it all the time. Just begin to change how you're talking to yourself. The pathways change and they're not automatic because, because for the athlete, uh, I suspect in that tennis match, uh, that there, that soon as the, 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 he lost the two points there, the, 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 my, he went right to, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's wrong? He, he got out of that zone where he was in. And, and from and that point on, place. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you cannot, especially tennis, golf, something that's so in tune with your body and your muscles, uh, just a, a little bit of tightness, Both. it's all over. Yeah. Right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to kind of be aware of that internal dialogue is really what we're talking about and being able to, and it, not that you're never going to have the negative, but hearing it, hearing it just so clearly. And there it is. Stop. Mm -hmm. I'm not going there. Taking and, and, that deep breath. 
And especially when we are as athletes or performance in any other area, if we are already performing and these thoughts occur that often enough are focused on the future or on the past, it, I, I guess pretty always uh, they don't serve us because they are getting us uh, uh, out of the present present moment, which was the 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 main uh, thing to take in consideration in your opinion uh, from the last question, and I, I loved it. Um, but uh, from this, uh, I got an idea that I want to juggle with you, which is. When thinking of the things that could go wrong, again, pretty often these don't serve us during a performance. But is it always the case? Because I was thinking that we can give it a tweak, for example. And uh, and again, let's let's take this off the during moments of performance, but prior to the moments of performance or afterwards when reflecting upon this may be a good gem to have to reflect on what went wrong or what could go wrong. But if we get in a stance of evaluating it more emotionally unattached, you know, because then we can reevaluate what we can do differently next time. So getting more on a practical motor learning side uh, more than a mentally uh, stuckness and struggle that we can get in uh, in terms of confidence and yeah derailing yeah right yeah th there's a difference between uh planning and worrying i can look ahead and plan i can look ahead and prepare i can um look at my last match and and decide what do I need to practice this week to overcome whatever the the issue was there so that's planning that's preparing but when most people say what if they're not saying what if it goes well they're saying what if it doesn't go well right and the that's worrying. different yeah that's not planning that's not preparing all that's doing is undermining your 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 current skills and it's getting in the way of overcoming whatever you need to work or tweak in your performance so that the distinction is really critical to say you know what i'm going to learn i'm going to plan i'm going to prepare and then i'm basically going to be quiet i'm i'm going to go do it i'm going to go for it right but but we typically don't we say well but what if it happens again and we carry that onto the court because those pathways are still pretty deeply embedded and that's right where we go it's like our default uh, where the great athletes, the default is go for it. Hmm. You know, I don't care if I miss a hundred shots, I'm making the next one. They, it's, it's just a shift and it's a critical shift, isn't it? Yeah. So good. One thing that is transversal, I don't know if the word is right used in Portuguese. It is, <laughs> it is on the skill of centering yourself as an athlete in this case, everyone may have an intuitive sense of what this is, but tell us, uh, what is this of centering oneself and how can this be helpful? Well, centering has to do, and everything we're talking about ultimately has to do with the thinking side and the physical side, that the mind sends a negative message. Uh, what if this happens? The body does what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to get anxious and literally sends a message back to the brain that says, oh no, something's not okay, I'm feeling scared, and the mind sends another message back to the body, and that's how anxiety escalates over time. So, so if you're, if you're uh, not addressing the physical as well as the thinking side of this, the cognitive side, you're missing 
half of that. So centering has to do with learning to quiet the mind and quiet the body. So if you're on the court and your mind's kind of telling yourself, oh my gosh, I'm playing against so-and-so, I'll never win, quieting that. But in the meantime, your body has already started to escalate. So centering has to do with learning to slow the body down, you know, using breathing, using kind of focus concentration skills, um, mm -hmm. um, being able to have the mind and body together, being focused, grounded in the moment, centered, however you want to call that, mm -hmm. so that I'm, I am fully present. Getting ourselves anchored to the present moment and to what it is important to the performance per se. And the problem always is, uh, is that most athletes, performers will try to do that right at the time uh, that they need it, but they haven't been practicing centering. They haven't been practicing focused breathing. They haven't been practicing quieting the mind and saying, so what, uh, prior to the match because it's it's almost not too late but it almost is too late then to say i sh I, I should practice my breathing right now I, I have clients all the time telling me that mm -hmm. i'll say how did it go this week when you give your presentation well it didn't go well i go really tell me what happened well, i did what you told me i practiced my breathing i said when did you practice well when i was up there giving the presentation and i go what about the week before well no mm -hmm. and i said no 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 you you practice you set you learn to center when you don't need it so that when you need it when you're on that diving board when you're in the, on the court, when you're in front of the group at, in a business meeting, you've been getting yourself centered all week, focus, practicing that. So when the moment comes where you need it, you take that slow, deep breath and you say, it's time to center, it's time to get grounded. So that, that's a key principle is preparing. That's the difference between, well, what if this, saying, no, 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 I'm going to prepare for that. I'm going to be ready for that. I know what to do. If I, even if I get anxious, I know how to ground myself. I know how to center myself. And one way uh, and ways to explore that to do that, uh, I guess they come from breeding, some personal rituals. Uh, any ideas? Yes, it comes from, uh, and, and everybody talks about breathing, but it's true that it, it's so powerful. It's so powerful if you practice. Uh, and there's so many ways to do it, but but the the key thing is, I, I and I tell my clients, I want you to practice your focused breathing throughout the day as many times as you can. And so take two minutes, take that slow, deep focus breath and another hour, do it, set your alarm, set, set your Apple watch, remind you. Uh, and the more you do that on the day of the presentation, the day of the performance, you've been doing it where you can start to feel the anxiety. Oh, there it is. That's okay. I don't have to be afraid of it. I'm going to take a slow, deep breath and center myself. So the key is that I've been practicing that. Another thing that, that will lead to this is what we call mental rehearsal, visualization. It's, it's learning the steps to walk through, visualizing yourself doing well Saturday during the match and over and over practicing that in your mind um, so that when the day comes, you've already done well a hundred times this week because you're mentally rehearsing. So mental rehearsal, visualization, uh, rituals that kind of anchor you like you talked about, focus breathing, quieting that voice, all of these things are, are prepared and practiced prior to the presentation, the performance, the match. It, it, that's critical. And, and they're all doable and they're all under your control and there are things okay. you can get better at. There's so much hope for, for people, but they say, well, I practice breathing. Breathing doesn't help. No, it, it always helps. It always 100% will slow you down if you condition your body to get better and better at that. But if you're not quieting that negative critical voice that sends the message to the body now you're fighting against yourself you got to work on both of those and the great news is they're under your control 
They have nothing to do with what's out there or your opponent or the bad shot you just had. This is all under your control if you practice. Hey you, athlete, student, or worker of some kind, we want to know real cases. So tell us, from what you've heard, what have you been missing out? What is one idea that popped into your mind while listening? Feel free to share in the comments so we can assist you further. See ya! Well, on this, on centering ourselves, let's take that example. It is practicable. Uh, it is practicable through visualization. And um, some specialists may say that when we are visualizing our performance, uh, our public speaking event, let's say, and when something goes wrong, uh, first of all, to uh, visualization, to make it clear, is, uh, is better practiced the more imaginationally vivid we get our images, the more involved we are with all of our senses. And taking that into account, um, some again, getting back, some specialists may argue that if something in our imagination of that moment goes wrong, we can press pause, go back and try it again and repeat and get more comfortable with, uh, with the move, the technical move or the speaking event. And, and I get the usefulness of that. It, it's a good practice. But I was thinking of an alternative, which is to get into that difficult moment. And let's say if we imagine ourselves getting pretty anxious because we get more aware of the eyes that are watching us and so forth practice being in that moment and centering ourselves in that moment and not press backwards and try it again just on the practice per se it is a mental practice within visualization you get it uh, what what do you think of this mm -hmm. well I, I think in a, in a way both of those approaches are, are valuable i don't think it's one or the other uh, I do. I do teach my clients, you know, to visualize, use all their sentences, uh, to be as clear in terms of seeing what they want, uh, because we're doing that in a negative way. I think it's important to see that we're mm -hmm. negatively rehearsing uh, if we're not careful and we're anticipating. That's mental rehearsal in a negative way mm -hmm. to anticipate. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that all along the way. So the key is to say, wait a minute, I'm going to change that, and I'm not not only going to walk myself through seeing myself do it well, but when I find myself getting anxious in the moment. Um, I do teach people to kind of rewind the tape and go back, but I also teach them at that moment, I want you to breathe. I want you to picture yourself breathing mm. because you know you can't on the court, if you're playing tennis, you can't tell everybody, can we stop for a minute? I'm going to visualize myself doing well. I'm gonna stop the tape and go back. No, we're right in the middle of the match. Uh, so what I wanna be able to do is exactly what you're saying. I wanna be able to picture myself, even under conditions like that, getting myself in control. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, because again, we cannot control what's going to happen, even internally. There's all kinds of reasons, you know, we can look up and see our mother screaming for us and it can stop us. Then, you know, a little kid stops dead in his tracks. He sees his mom up there or, or the dad screaming, don't miss it, don't miss it, mm -hmm. uh, or the coach. Um, and that, that kid can't rewind at that point. But what he can do is I'm going to picture, even, even if that happens to me, I'm going to picture myself taking a breath, slowing down and pushing through that. I can do this. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like when I've worked with musicians and they, some musicians in the middle of a uh, audition uh, will, someone will cough and it'll throw them off. Uh, and, and it'll just actually, or someone rolls their eyes or a noise happens. So I will often teach them in the middle of 
of their practice uh, to I make noise behind them or I enter and I talk during it and so they can in the middle of it learn to ground themselves center themselves in spite of what's going on so I think the mental rehearsal there's both of those are valuable to to rewind and, and continue to see yourself doing well but in the middle mm-hmm. of the anxiety seeing yourself uh-huh. recovering and, the mind and, uh, the mind mind is so powerful it can work for you or against you even if you're using it and you're thinking well I I I've been mm-hmm. working with someone. I'm ready to go. No one can beat me. Yeah, they can. Any mm-hmm. day someone can beat you. But but we don't want you to beat yourself. That, that's what we don't want. Sure, sure. And I guess it's very important to naturalize those processes. And within this line of thought, I guess we should combine our efforts on selling the idea to all of this that we talked so far of getting engaged in these processes by being creative and having fun because if we take it too seriously these traps and and results might not appear as as often or even just not focusing solely on results and on getting more successful right because these are skills that can be implementable and beneficial without again bringing the the fast results so yeah yeah no, nothing is worse than taking a passion that you have and you love Boom. and have yeah, and shifting it to to work, to mm. I, I should. What if I don't? Uh, what if I lose? I mean, the passion's gone, and you don't have even with a mental rehearsal. Uh, one of the steps I always teach is have fun with this. Don't be so. Just, I got really worried because I couldn't. So no, have some fun with this. Uh, just get creative. That's why the younger the, the the younger the athlete is, the more fun they have, the more creative they are. Uh, whether they're an artist or a writer or a performer, it doesn't matter. And over time, we lose that. We lose that spontaneity, that creativity, that right brain, imaginative kind of, I can go for this. Uh, nothing's going to stop me. Whether I win or not, I'm going to have a great time. We, we begin to lose that for all kinds yeah. of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So the message is in. Uh, practice this. This can be good, but don't take them as heavy tasks or as a burden or as a must to always conserve your uniqueness and within these processes be creative and have some fun and so dr nick to finish this is a common question i pose to all of our guests uh what is for you the number one ingredient for an athlete to efficiently work his sports practice i think ultimately it would be a belief in himself or herself and a belief in yourself means I know who I am. I, I'm not going to be unrealistic about that. I, I know what I love to do. I've been taught some things that I'm going to go for. But when it comes to the day of the performance, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to believe in myself. And it's that self-doubt that triggers the dominoes. It just goes down the line. It triggers the breathing. Everything triggers you with self-doubt. But if I can, if I can begin to say, I want to learn to trust myself, to believe in myself, to ground myself, which again is exactly what young kids do. They, they don't question themselves. They just go for it. They have a great time. That gets knocked out of them over the years. Uh, I, I, I tell artists, I tell writer, everybody I work with is, is that when it's all said and done, it's time to believe in yourself and then let it go. Let's see where it goes. Let's go for it. So beautiful. I, I and love that's that to receive. quote you said, the further you get... Go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. Give it. Well, that, that, that quote you were talking about, the further I get away from the shore, you know, the more the adventures out there. You know, I can stay on the shore and never see the world. 
right? Mm -hmm. I, I'll never find out what I'm capable of. Uh, but but the, the voice says, yeah, but you're safe. Well, safety is overrated. Uh, safety, uh, you know, does not lead to change and fun and growth and creativity and, and medals and second place, but I loved how I played. I mean, it doesn't lead to any of that. It just leads to safety. I love to receive these answers from you because, uh, yeah, it, it is often the, the moment I most expect on an interview uh, besides uh, the richness it had. Uh, but uh, just putting it into, another, into other words, it's like that you assume that self-doubt is the issue, uh, the main problem where other issues may arise, right? Uh, as you were saying. And the antidote for that is to believe in ourselves the answer right because from there we we may enter on states of flow as you were talking about also so i love that and all all these processes are uh, working towards uh, having a more solid uh, belief in ourselves in our capabilities yeah absolutely that's why you can honestly our... say so what to things Uh, to anxiety because I know who I am. I know how to manage myself. I know how to have fun. So what? I'm going to go for it. So doesn't mean I don't care. So what doesn't mean I don't care. It, it means I care enough that I'm going to take care of me. I loved it. Yeah. So let's go for it on our next performances from here. I thank you very much, Dr. Nick. I wish you all the best. And I say our listeners that they can find more on your website. Uh, it is currently uh, lazaris.com and there on the homepage you can find his roadmap to performance anxiety and another link to a free masterclass for you to get more educated on these topics. And then if you are interested, Dr. Nick also provides one-on-one -on -one sessions for performance psychologists. So that's it. I thank you very much again. Thank you. Well, Gonzalo, this has been really fun, uh, which is the whole point, right? We're, we're, we're serious, but we're having fun. And, and that frees us up to do our best. So this has been fun. Yeah, so much that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this EWS interview. To see more, go to ewsport.eu. If you want to open up a discussion about some topic address, reach out by commenting below or leave a message at ewsport.eu. Hope you enjoyed. See you on the next one. I remind you that you can write a comment right there on some podcast apps, on our Instagram at ewsport.eu, or even by sending a quick voice message on the clickable link I leave right at the end of this episode description. If you prefer to stay anonymous, this is a good option. All simple and free. So take the time to do so, and take a step to be closer of efficiently work your sports practice. Until then, take care.